We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, into the 11 o'clock hour. It's Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Nick Schwert with you. Cody out till next week. We'll hear from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes live out of the Arrowhead here in about 45 minutes on your official broadcast partner for the Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. And here in about 12 minutes, we'll get into something that normally I think we have consensus on entering week 17 in the NFL season, but I don't think that's the case whatsoever here in 2022. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But I want to head out to Denver. We talked a lot yesterday about what's going on there, what maybe is going to happen this offseason. Is there a fix for Russell Wilson? All of that I want to get into with former Bronco safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, it's good to hear from you, man. How you been? Doing well, man. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. So what has the last 24 hours or so been like there in Denver? Because I don't think anybody's surprised that Nathaniel Hackett at some point was going to be fired, but the fact that it's happening before the end of the season. Yeah, no one was uh, actually surprised uh, about his firing, but uh, they expedited the situation based on what we all witnessed on Christmas. It was bad enough to drubbing the 51 to 14. And then just kind of the, the minor altercations on the sideline, Don Reisner and backup quarterback Brett Rippon. And then the situation with uh, Randy Gregory. And if I'm Greg Penner, uh, I mean, I was really upset. I was embarrassed. And he said that uh, during the press conference uh, yesterday when he looked at the overall outcome of the season, but more importantly, that game itself. Could you imagine, you know, holiday, it's Christmas, you're sitting in the box with Stan Kroenke and you're looking at SoFi Stadium and how – great that stadium looks and then he looks at you and like hey what's going on with your team that doesn't look like a professional team in my eyes and oh by the way i know our team is four and ten but i have a better four and ten team than you do so that only you know forced management to just kind of go out and make this decision earlier than they wanted to or what they were going to but also i mean there were some other things that happened as well offensive line coach butch berry he get, he was he received his walking papers Dwayne Stoops, the special teams coach, they, they fired him as well. And then uh, they also let go a couple of players. Michael Jamudia, who was drafted in the third round from Iowa by Vic Fangio, and David Zigbo, who was on the practice squad as a running back. So they're just trying to go ahead and send a clear message that what we saw on Sunday will not be tolerated. Now, how much of this entire season was on Hackett? How much is Russ? How much is it is the front office and how they assemble this team? Because I still think the biggest problem is right there, and, it, and it's Russell Wilson. How do you see it? Well, for me, uh, it, it's a 60-40 split. Uh, this is a situation where everyone is involved with what's happening this season. And I know we look at the quarterback and say, okay, well, we're going to give him 
all the responsibility, right? Because if the team doesn't do well, it's all his fault. I don't look at it that way. Russ has his, uh, his issues. But for me, from a personnel standpoint, the offensive line was never what uh, we expected to be. And I thought it was going to be a better offensive line with the addition of Tom Compton and Billy Turner to go with uh, a lot of the guys that the Broncos were bringing back on the offensive line. But it just didn't seem to be that way. Let me give you a two-game sample of uh, what it's like to be a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. With Russell Wilson in two games that he played, he's been hit 22 times and he's been sat 12. Now, I know you guys have the marvelous Patrick Mahomes over there in Kansas City, <laughs> and I don't believe that he has been hit or sacked that many times. So that, and for me, that becomes a major problem because your job as a quarterback is that you have to believe in an offensive line. You have to trust in him. And I've heard uh, countless uh, quarterback whispers or national court analysts on uh, these, these shows or former quarterbacks point out where Russell should have found the open receiver. But I, also, I go back to that same tape and I say, well, how could you find an open receiver with someone in your face? That's hard to do in this league for any quarterback. And then when you can't really run the ball effectively, that in two uh, entails, you know, what's happening offensively. And I never really thought the system uh, fit the skill set of Russell. So it's a combination of a lot of things. And the, the word, yes, we heard George Payton talk about it yesterday, and he was asked about fixing Russ. To me, I don't think it's the, the idea of fixing Russ because when you say, hey, you need to fix something, you're implying that it's broken. Russ hasn't forgotten how to play the quarterback position. but So I will, you know, in, inject another word. How do you get the best out of your quarterback? How do you get the best out of your offensive line? That starts with coaching and making some personnel changes. And when it comes to uh, trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be, it's not about the head coach. It's about the offensive coordinator. That's the most important guy. Nick, what what is the I guess the best of Russ though at this point? Do you think still in in his career? I agree with you. Obviously, he's he's played the game at a very high level throughout ninety five percent of his career, except for for this year and then maybe a little bit last year. Well, what what's the best look like? Can he be you know can he be top fifteen again? Is that is that all you're asking for almost at this point? I know that the, the the financials are a big problem there where you where you look at Denver and they're kind of stuck here for a couple of years. They're like this has to work. Well, yeah, I mean, because they gave him an extension, it has to work. You are now married to him hip to hip. So the idea is, like, you go out and try to do what's in the best interest of your quarterback. So you have to go out and fix the offensive line. And knowing as though the Broncos, they have a first-round draft pick, but if the 49ers continue to play well, that that pick continues to fall. But now you need to go out and you need to try to go get some veteran guys, bring some guys in here with, with a little attitude because that's the thing that's been missing around here is guys with that tough man attitude. I'm going to smack you in your face type of thing. Now, I'm not advocating for fisticuffs, but I'm just saying just the mentality that you need for the protection of Russell Wilson. And, yes, there is still the best that you can get out of Russell Wilson because, once again, I don't feel as though – you just forget how to play the quarterback position in one year, leaving one team in Seattle coming in Denver. It's about that offensive scheme catering to that quarterback skill set. And once again, I never really thought that Hackett did a great job because he wasn't running the basic staples of the offense that he was uh, deploying. I mean, if you're going to run uh, Mike LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan type offense, 
you got to run an outside zone. I'm not seeing seeing that. And if you're going to run a gap scheme where you're running what we call duo, where you have alignment, you know, maybe double team the nose down and climb up to that second level to a linebacker, I'm not even seeing that. I'm not even seeing the basic route concepts that I practice against when I was a member of the Denver Broncos and Mike Shanahan was the head coach. And when you think about what made Russ so great in Seattle, it was moving the pocket for him. I'm not even seeing them pull a guard and get Russell outside the pocket. So the scheme never really fit the quarterback. It's almost like, like, tell me this, Alex, what size foot do you have? What size is your foot? 11 and a half. That's like you trying to put your foot in a nine and a half. It doesn't work, right? That's what it was. And it doesn't work. So we need to bring in a quarterback. Well, excuse me, not a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator that can really get the best out of Russ. Not fix Russ but get the best out of him. And if you want to know a guy who I think can do that, that would be Brian Schottenheimer, who's on the Dallas Cowboys staff as a system or data analysis, whatever that's called. But uh, (laughs) that would be the guy that uh, can definitely get the best out of Russ. We're talking to Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety. You kind of hit on it there at the very end. I was going to ask you, like, how attractive – of a job is this in terms of the candidates? We know Sean Payton's name gets mentioned, is going to be mentioned with every opening. If I'm Sean Payton, I I don't know why I would want the Denver job. Maybe you feel differently, but I look at the division. I look at the quarterback. Uh, you and I maybe just disagree on like how much level up there could still be for, for Russ. Uh, and knowing that the current draft capital that, that the Broncos have or don't have, who who is realistic there? You, you mentioned Brian Schottenheimer, Dan Quinn, I think interviewed the last time for the job. Uh, who, who's kind of on the wish list there in Denver? For the obvious reasons, you know, Sean Payton. I just look at what Sean Payton was able to do in New Orleans with that offense, uh, Marcus Colston uh, when he was playing, and more importantly, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a vertically challenged uh, quarterback, but he was able to get the best out of him. He could possibly do the same thing with Russell. Now, I don't think, as obvious as that may seem, I don't think that's going to be the direction because Sean is not going to want to come here because looking at you know, the long ties that the organization has to Russell Wilson. Now, the guy that makes the most sense to me would be Dan Quinn. You interviewed him last year. I was I was kind of rooting for him to be the head coach last year. We've seen what he was able to do or has been able to do in Dallas. We, we've seen what he do when he was uh, head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And, oh, by the way, he had an offensive coordinator in Kyle Shanahan that ran an offense that, that Daniel Hackett was trying to uh, employ. But, that relationship between Dan Quinn and Brian Schottenheimer, I mean, it goes back to Seattle. Now they're working together again and with the Dallas Cowboys. And Greg Penner said it himself. The next head coach that comes in is not reporting to George Payton, the GM. He's reporting directly to Greg Penner. But there has to be a working relationship between the GM and the head coach. And George Payton and Dan Quinn – they have history. They go back to their days with the Miami Dolphins. So, to me, if you want to say, well, what's the best uh, situation for Russ and the organization and the ownership and the GM, it is by far Dan Quinn. Because, once again, it is not fixing Russ. It is finding ways to get the best out of Russ. And those two guys collectively, I believe, can do it. Nick, I can't remember if you had, had a head coaching change at all when, when you were playing with, with the Broncos, but when a coach gets fired days before a game in this situation where the Broncos are about ready to come to Kansas City, 
on Sunday. What what does that do? I think there's a mindset from some fans and people have been asking even on our text line here, do we think the Broncos are going to be more up for the game now? Are they going to be ready to just pack it in? What does that do, do you believe, for the Broncos even on Sunday? Well, when you get over the first, I don't want to say the initial shock, but the disappointment of it because you're thinking about another coach is fired, you're on this roster, you had something to do with it. But also, here's the upside. Now you're a little upset. Right, your coach is now fired. No one's expecting anything out of you. And we've seen teams perform well when the head coach is out. Think about when Jeff Saturday took over, his first game, uh, taking over for the Indianapolis Colts. They played well. They played inspired football because they knew that, hey, our backs were against the wall. We have guys who are unrestricted free agents who are playing for jobs next year, either with this team or another team. And usually in that case, Sometimes you get the best out of that team. So if the fans in Kansas City thinking there's a possibility that you're going to get a team that's feeling bad about themselves and licking their wounds, no. I mean, it's almost like a possum. You back back in a possum into a corner. That possum is going to show its teeth and it's going to show its claws because it only has one way out, and that's through you. So now the Broncos players are going to be thinking about that. They're going to think about the second half of the game they played here in the power field against Kansas City. And they said, well, we played great defense and we played great offense in that second half. If we can start out playing that same way and continue it for 60 minutes, we finally get our first win against our division opponents that's beaten us 14 straight times. So I wouldn't sleep on the Broncos thinking that you're going to get a lame duck coming in there. You're probably going to get a team that's eager to fight because they're trying to protect their job. Nick Ferguson, former Bronco, former Bronco safety. Great to talk to you, man. Uh, enjoy the texting back and forth. I know we, we were talking about the, the Chiefs heading into the postseason, so we'll, we'll check in maybe to see how you're feeling about them in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely do that, man. You guys enjoy the new year. All right, you too as well. There you go. Nick Ferguson, former Bronco safety, uh, giving us some time today on kind of how he views the Broncos situation. You heard multiple times from him. He doesn't think that it's – uh, you know, a, a broken Russell Wilson. He thinks it's sounds like more on the coaching end than anything else in terms of how they executed. We'll see if that's the the case. Obviously, going forward. My only thing is, like when when you mentioned, I asked why I asked. I followed up and asked him was, like, what is the best of Russ still? Russ still. You're, I'm with you. Like obviously, the new coach has to get the most out of Russ. But what what's the most these days? You know, like if the issue is that uh, the the offensive line play is poor. Well, remember in Seattle, part of the the play of Russell Wilson, Nick was. He was still kind of mobile, right? And I don't, I don't think he's as mobile as he was five years ago, Russell Wilson. That is so. If that, how, how do you adjust to that? I that, don't think any. Here's the problem. I don't think anybody is alleging that Russell Wilson is like doesn't lacks talent now. That Russell Wilson lacks football IQ. Like I, I think he still possesses those things. You have them or you don't. I don't think talent necessarily yeah, wanes. I think. Yeah your ability to tap into it does. And I think maybe that's part of, I think we are seeing him age a little bit. Like I've maintained the entire time. It's not that Russell Wilson is bad. It's that I don't think he possesses whatever you need to have between the ears to make yourself the best quarterback, because I don't think he possesses the the self-awareness to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm the issue. That's, that's the difference is, well, he's, he can still play football. I don't question that. And I don't question that there are coaches who could bring more out of him than Nathaniel Hackett did or offenses that could bring more out of him. Do you really think Russell Wilson is going to sit there this offseason and say, you know what, humble pie, I'm the issue. I need to just sit back and let these coaches do their job and I'll be the player because he wants to be the GM and he wants to be the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the quarterback. Here's the problem. 
99.9% of players are terrible at all the other stuff other than just playing. I mean, I wouldn't even, like, that is the whole thing. He wanted to be involved in, in free agent acquisitions and transactions and draft picks and offensive coordinator hirings and scheming. You're not any of those things. You're a football player. Yeah, but that, I mean, that, so that, even away from Russ, that's become more of a conversation. And we had that about Aaron Rodgers just a year or so ago, or this past offseason, right? I mean, we, we, we had that conversation how Aaron Rodgers wanted to be more involved with those situations. Uh, at some point in time, it'll be interesting if we, if we hear that about Patrick Mahomes when he gets into his 30s later down the road, when Andy Reid's not here and retires and, and things like that. Like, these are, these are, I think, later in the career. Some of these, this is not, this is not just that part you're no, talking it's about. It's not, not just a Russell Wilson thing. I'm fascinated by Most who they hire. Most players don't I, I, acquiesce I, as quickly as Denver y- did, though. Yeah, I got, I'm, I'm going to be really fascinated to see who they hire. It sounds like he agrees, Nick did, that uh, Ferguson, that is, that you know, Sean Payton's not going to Denver. I just, anybody, that, that, to me, doesn't make any sense for Sean Payton uh, to, to, to go there, considering who the quarterback is and considering the, the, that you know you have no way to get out of the, the quarterback there. He mentioned Dan Quinn and then Brian Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, who wasn't he at one point in time in, in Seattle as well. Uh, as a yeah. offensive coordinator or at least offensive assistant. So that'll be a huge story for the rest of the offseason. Thanks to Nick for joining us there. Before we get to trash of the day, I, I think normally at this point of the season, and we're entering week 17, it's crazy. It's already about to be January uh, in 2023. But normally isn't there consensus on who the best team is or at least the top two? I, I, we don't have that. I, I, I could go and ask 100 random people on the street. I could go and bring on five different NFL quote unquote experts around the country. And if I ask them who's the best team or the two best teams, I don't think I'm getting the same answer. I don't think I'm getting 80% of the same answer. That's, that's unique to me. I, and then maybe that makes it fun come playoff time. Like, I, I think if I were to ask you, I'll ask you like, who do you think are the two best teams in football right now? I don't know what your answer is. I'm curious. What is it? Chiefs and bills. And I think if you were to ask somebody else, even in the office or down the street or the text line, I think someone would say Chiefs and Philadelphia or Chiefs and Cincinnati. Because I actually think the answer right now might be the Chiefs and Cincinnati. And this is going to get cited on Monday night, fortunately, when the Bills and, and Bengals play. I think Cincinnati is playing as good as anybody in football right now. Now, my question with them is, Lael Collins, their tackles now out for the season, it looks like. That's a huge loss to Cincinnati. But I don't think it's consensus. I, I don't think it's automatic that, oh, it's Chiefs and Bills. I, I don't think that would be outside of Kansas City, maybe. I don't think that's the normal answer. Um, and I think you would get some teams that would say the 49ers. I just saw a couple new power rankings come out today, Nick, that have the 49ers as the best team in football. Well, with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, that's a tough sell. I agree. Now, I think they're one of the best because that defense is unbelievable. We've talked about Kyle Shanahan plenty on this show, and he's doing it with a third-string quarterback. But, yeah, I can't tell you that a third-string quarterback – at this late of the season that he's they're the best team when you're running out of third string quarterback that's a game manager no can they win multiple playoff games do I think the the 49ers are going to go to the NFC title game I kind of do I, I think that I think the 49ers are probably heading to an NFC title game look at the path that they might have to maneuver I think they're good enough to do that because of that defense but the minute somehow Brock Purdy's down we haven't had to see him come back from from being down I, I want to know what that looks like when does that breakdown happen as more film gets on so but my point is that there's a lot of people that would say the 49ers. I think you'd still get some people that would say Philadelphia if Jalen Hurts is actually healthy. I think there's people who'd probably throw in the Cowboys. Sure. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's consensus at the top of who the best team is. And I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I swear, usually in the last three or four years, there's been consensus on the top two teams we would mention. We just named four or five. Yeah, so I think that the big thing that I the big thing that I 
want to like go back to is the idea that there was two teams that we trusted at the beginning of the season and they're still here, right? The two teams that you thought would be good, the two teams that you thought would be the best are still good and are still amongst the best. So that's not, uh, I guess, a super scientific way of doing yeah, it, but yeah, that's yeah. the way that I kind of feel I also about think it. what cannot be underrated about the Chiefs is, knock on wood, is that real? No, I think it's fake. I think that's like Probably that fake. fake plaster stuff. Either way, go find some wherever you're listening. The Chiefs are as healthy as anybody heading into the postseason. They really, I mean, I just mentioned a huge injury, Lael Collins for, for Cincinnati. Uh, Buffalo, we know the big one already in Von Miller. They also have some other injuries. Um, we can go through San Francisco. They're another third-string quarterback. Uh, we, if, we, if we keep going down the road, there are multiple contenders of the ones we just mentioned that all have serious injuries. And the Chiefs, we've been talking about McCall Hartman, who's on the way back. Tony's hamstring's fine right now. Blake Bell just came back off of IR. Like, I understand it gets people nervous when we talk about injuries that haven't happened. All that, but the Chiefs are as healthy as any team in football heading into the postseason. That is part of, that is part of the, hey, if you're, you're picking how do, you, how do you accomplish a postseason run, a championship run, health is a huge part of it. As much as talent, coaching, and home field advantage and all that. The Chiefs are in as good a spot as anybody. I would argue really the best spot of anybody in terms of health. And I think that is an important part of the equation when we're discussing who the best teams are in football, who's also the healthiest this time of the year. It's the cliche, but it's real. I don't like that you said that. I don't like that you brought it up. I know. I know. I know people hate it. It's kind of like a perfect game, you know? Well, that's ridiculous. The announcer jinx stuff no, is. No, the no, announcer no. You jinx, don't talk about it. They the announcer jinx stuff is ridiculous. It's not even ridiculous. the announcer jinx. You see the guys, they'll <laughs> leave him alone in the dugout, too. Yeah. They go and sit on the other side of the dugout because they don't want to talk the, to him. If you're on the team and you're in the clubhouse next to the guy, that's different. But Ryan Lefevre, if we're going to go with the baseball example still, mentioning that Brady Singer next year in May has a no-no in the seventh inning, he's not jinxing Brady Singer, okay? He can say it all he wants. Man. You yeah. buy into that? I just, you know, okay. I think some traditions remain traditions, mm. okay? Right. Maybe a new tradition for you in Trash of the Day. Let's get to that. Trash of the Day. This could be a new thing. It's the first time it's happening in the United States, at least. We know sports betting is legalized in Kansas, hopefully in Missouri next year. We'll be following that all spring. In Washington, D.C., they are building the U.S.'s first strip club sports book. Go just get on. All, just get everything. Just, just get everything all in one. It's coming to Washington D.C. So I saw this story last night. The Cloakroom Gentlemen's Club will launch its retail sports book this week in D.C. It's touting that it's the first of its kind combination of sports book and strip club, all combining the vices together. Man, just combine all the vices together for this one. And. This is a real thing. And if they're doing it, what's to say this will not happen elsewhere? They're going to have an over-under sportsbook rooftop lounge, wall-to-walls TVs, LED lighting, retractable roof, and, of course, still the uh, the dancers, if you would like that as well. Um, huh. I'm so actually like you, surprised so this you, has never happened before. So you are a big better. You're a big gambler. Yeah, we both have plenty of bets on this KU game. This and you've also been to... As have you. A, a gentleman's club, as yes. have I. Now, Cody... Has not been to a sports book we know, and we're he's going to in about a month. Guillotine, well, remember, guillotine oh, yeah, league. yeah, right. He's right. gonna have to. Have, uh, have you ever been at a sports book and <laughs> thought I sure could use a lap dance, <laughs> or have you ever been at a strip club and said, "Boy, I sure I, wish I could place a bet right now." I haven't, but it seems like a beautiful combination that 
you could be at a sports book and then there happens to be you a know stage what over there no, as well. You, no, you know what it seems like a perfect combination for is losing copious amounts of money in a short amount of time. I would argue that hap- that would happen either way. But I'm just saying, like, if you're at a strip club uh-huh. and you're throwing dollar dollar bills, yes. Do you really need to be like, you know what? Let me let me put let me plug in a little three team parlay here for <laughs> college football. My guess is you'll you'll place the bet, you'll win some money on said bet, and then you'll just go right because over to t- there and, yeah. and and get the dance. Or while you're waiting for the parlay to hit, you Wait, can so get the are there dance. TVs behind the stage or something? That I, I haven't seen renderings yet. I, Nick. I'll get on that. Thank <laughs> you're you. a big renderings guy. <laughs> I haven't seen renderings yet. So I'd imagine these renderings are going to be uh, pretty exciting. Text line says every place they go feels like a lap dance would improve their experience. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm starting to go to the grocery store, haircut. Let's be honest, though. If this works, change. this will not be the last. It's the first. This will not be the last, although controversial, sportsbook slash gentleman's club combination. I'm actually stunned this doesn't exist in Las Vegas. Stunned. What do you think is more likely to happen? More businesses try to mm. go hybrid with sportsbooks <laughs> or more businesses try to go hybrid with strip clubs? With sportsbooks. Because, in fact, even in Kansas, right now we talk about you know, the, the couple casinos that are, that are state owned that have sports books and, you know, you can bet on, on your app and all that pretty soon. You're going to start seeing more implementation. If you're a restaurant in Kansas and I, I don't know what the, I guess theoretically a gentleman's club in can there's, there's some bars in Kansas that pretty soon will be allowed to have kiosks in their establishments. Like that was written in the bill. It's a possibility. If they want to do that, they have to get a license and all kinds of stuff there. Um, but that's a real thing. Like, so yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I don't know if it'll happen in Kansas, but crazy yeah. that a uh, a strip club could do it elsewhere. It's happening be, in DC, I man. Mean, ground. Someone says, wonder if the strippers would trade lap dances for an open parlay ticket. Like, hey, instead of the cash out feature, it's a lap dance feature. You know, on the app, it says cash out. Like, hey, cash there's three in. minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like the over is a, almost a guaranteed lock. Someone says, would you be able to place bets on the strippers? Oh my goodness. On what? For them to do what? Hmm. For what? Oh, I think I think we're treading into dangerous waters here. Huh. We'll revisit this later, maybe. <laughs> That's the trash of the day. Coming up next, we'll get to the Chiefs Red Half Hour. Back into the legacy for Chris Jones. What he has right now, what he can achieve through the postseason, and if it's really fair or not because of one particular stat. Next. This is Cody and Gold. Brought to you by Gant Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance. Gant Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Royals first baseman slash NFL insider, Vinny Pasquantino. This football season with Cody and Gold. My Twitter is about to unload a football <laughs> tweets. First Jets game that I have free on Sunday. It's, it's go time. 610 Sports Radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Chiefs Red Half Hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll head right out to Arrowhead. You'll hear from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on your official broadcast partner for the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Get their thoughts as they get to take on the Broncos for the second time in the last couple of weeks, we all know how the last go around went. Big lead, the frustration, letting the Broncos back in. Things got dicey. Russell Wilson got hurt in that game. Uh, and then on the flip side, you got a Broncos team this go around with an interim head coach with the Chiefs as 13 and a half point favorites against Denver out at Arrowhead on Sunday. Uh, we're just a few weeks away, as we know, from the postseason. We'll find out if the Chiefs over the next couple of weeks are going to be playing wild card weekend there on, what, the 14th or so, or they'll be allowed to sit at home wild card weekend and, and wait till the divisional round as the number one seed. That's going to, in large part, be decided by what happens on Monday Night Football and, and a game that we'll talk more about as the week goes on with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. But there are multiple players that have both legacy and also future contracts on the line based on this postseason here in a few weeks. And Chris Jones certainly fits the bill for that, both on legacy and on contract. Yeah, he's got a year left on his current deal, but he's not going to be playing next year on the current deal. He's either going to restructure with a new contract or there's a trade possibility. There's a, there's a lot of possibilities with Chris Jones in the offseason. But what can change with his legacy? Because I, I think when you're looking at a guy that's won a ring already, had a 15-and-a-half sack season before. He's been on second-team All-Pro for three years, and it looks like this will be a year where he will be first-team All-Pro now that Aaron Donald had a, you know, quote-unquote down season by his standard. And Chris Jones has been fantastic this year. He's got 12 sacks right now. Maybe he can get to 
15 and a half. He needs three and a half, though, in, in these final two games against the Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's certainly a possibility. We've seen him be so disruptive this season, even in games where he's not getting those sacks, which is understandable to, to point to the, the sack numbers. And one time in particular, we always point to a sack numbers, Nick, is the postseason. So if you're asking me, what can change for Chris Jones's legacy in Kansas City other than signing a new long-term contract this offseason that ensures he's going to play, you know, 90% of his career in Kansas City? It's that one stat that's got to be so damn annoying <laughs> for Chris Jones, uh, and it's that fact that he does not have a postseason sack. It's crazy. We know that. It comes up every postseason. Last year, you needed one of Joe Burrow, and we're probably talking about this team, maybe one in the Super Bowl, uh, and, and not going home on, on AFC title game weekend. But he doesn't have a postseason sack. Makes no sense. For his sake, I hope he gets one. For this team's sake, I hope he gets one. Because I think that actually is a weird thing in his legacy. Whenever Chiefs fans will talk about Chris Jones, they bring up, well, he's never had a postseason sack. I just want to remind you how fickle sometimes that can be. Because you can be disruptive and have an impact without getting the sack. Look at Frank Clark. (laughs) We brought this up earlier. Frank Clark is fifth all-time, all-time. In postseason sacks, Frank Clark is. He's there with – he's one, one sack away from Reggie White. He's like three away from Bruce Smith. I know it's not going to happen, but, like, there is – there is mathematically, if Frank Clark just had, like, a great postseason, if yes. the Chiefs played in four games – like, Yeah, we have four. Yeah, sure. If they played in four games and he finished with, like, <laughs> yeah, five and a half, six sacks. Yeah. He would be the all-time postseason sack leader in NFL <laughs> he, history. He's tied with five players. By or the so way, with would that 11. get you? Does that get you a gold jacket? No, he's not a Hall of Famer. I know. I'm, I'm just I asking know. if no, you are the no. all-time postseason sack no. leader. No, because no, it wouldn't. Now you're asking, okay, who else? Who mm-hmm. else on the? Who, you sure about that? Yes. Yes. If it came with the second ring. Here's here to your point though. Here's the names he's attached to. Talking about, I know we want to talk about Chris, but it's Frank Clark here for a second. Because <laughs> so it's like, well, because it's, it's a ridiculous stat. Frank Clark, not just in the last ten years. This is all time postseason sacks. Willie McGinnis has sixteen of them, and he's a Hall of Famer. To your point, okay. He also did a lot of other things uh, in his regular season career. Bruce Smith, Hall of Famer, fourteen and a half sack. 18 games for Willie McGinnis, 20 for Bruce Smith. Terrell Suggs, 21 playoff games, 12 and a half sacks. Reggie White, 19 playoff games, 12 sacks. The other wild part is Frank Clark's in 14 of them has 11. And by the so way, and by the way, he had zero last season. He had zero yes. in three games last postseason. So it's really 14 <laughs> in his or yeah. Uh, Someone says 11 to, in to Nick, 11 games. To your point that he, let's say the Chiefs won a Super Bowl this year. So Frank Clark would have two rings and let's say he ended up with five sacks and had to tie for the postseason sack. League. Here's the beautiful thing about <laughs> Frank Clark in this comparison is Frank Clark has 11 sacks. Three of them came in that, that gave that wild card or that divisional game right. against Houston. Yes. Back in 2019. So <laughs> that is living proof that you can kind of rewrite the narrative in one game. And I feel like Chris Jones is going to do it this postseason. Man, if it's not, if it doesn't happen this year, then you then you got to wonder like when it, when, when but, is the postseason? But that's just happen, it, right? right. That's the only knock you can have on Chris Jones's resume because he's going to get the all pro this year. Yep. He's going like to be first it. team all pro. He's got three second team all pros. He's going to get the all pro. 
if he gets the postseason production, at that point you're talking about he's got the regular season production, he's got the hardware, he's got a Super Bowl ring. Now you'd be able to say he did it in a postseason. If they added another Super Bowl ring on top of that, then you start talking about his legacy being I mean, damn near as complete and robust as any Chiefs defender in the history of the franchise. And we're, again, we're talking about Chris Jones here now, not Frank Clark anymore. Chris Jones, would that change your thought process in the offseason? Because is, is it easier to part ways or harder? Like from a fan base perspective, it becomes even harder. But from a franchise and a front office, if, if Chris Jones does what you're saying, which is finally does get the postseason sack. We know even when he hasn't been getting postseason sacks, he's still been impactful. But let's say he does, and the Chiefs walk off and win a Super Bowl, and everybody's thrilled, and we're doing another parade here in Kansas City. And Chris Jones has two rings. He's 20, he'll be 29 in the offseason, needs a new deal, deserves a new deal. Does that make it easier to part ways? If he does It's that. weird because right now I'm so ready to resign him to a long-term deal in the offseason. So – for me to get to the point where it's okay with him parting ways, like, yeah, if you would have told me at this time last year that, hey, how would you feel if the Chiefs let go of Tyree Kill? I'd say, uh, no, thank you, please. Right. But now I'm okay with it and seeing how everything's played out. Because we, we said when they traded Tyree Kill, we said with the exception of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, nobody's gonna, nobody on the roster other than those two guys is going to dictate what they're going to do financially with deals with – off-season plans like that was that was a conversation we had like Mahomes can dictate what he you know what he you know what he wants Travis Kelsey those are the two guys that can nobody else is gonna force the Chiefs into doing anything they don't want to do kind of thing right I mean that, that those are the those are the exceptions Chris Jones is not one of those the one of those guys is that what you're saying because I'm agreement I'm in agreement with you where it's like I would bring Chris Jones back but I think there will be a fair conversation no matter what he does in the postseason about is it smart to allocate X amount of percentage of cap to one player. Yeah. I mean, there's always a line, but the difference between Tyreek and Chris Jones is when you ask the question, what is the chief's offense without Tyreek Hill? I could still answer. Well, it's Patrick Mahomes, right. Andy right. Reed and Travis Kelsey. And that's a pretty good start to an answer. And here we are. They're the number one offense without him. Right? If I you ask know? that same question about the defense without Chris Jones, where do you start? They're lost, man? right? I mean, I mean what, seriously, yeah, yeah. where do you start? You say Trip McDuffie? Nick and that's, Bolton? Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing. And that's the big issue. And that's why I think you you would bring him back. Um, but I don't think it's a, like, I think there's some notion that it, Nick is this 100% no-brainer. I, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think there is a conversation to be had around it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you where it's like, yeah, uh, who the hell are you bringing in to, to that's going to be cheaper and multiple guys to equal what you're getting from that one guy that we're talking about that's going to be an all-pro this year that you you thought I disagree with you, but you thought should be defensive player of the year conversation? Like, that that how do you replace that? Giving a long-term deal for a guy that's going to cross 30, it's something they haven't been willing to do as this current regime. That'll be fun to see how it all plays out in, in the offseason as well. All right. Coming up next, though, we're heading out to Arrowhead. We're going to hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and maybe somebody else. We don't, we don't know who's going to show up. Maybe Chris Jones will show up. We'll find out together next. 
You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. Back here on Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Nick Schwart with you. Expected to head out to Arrowhead in a couple minutes. Going to hear from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid right here on 610 Sports Radio. I was looking, Nick, this is just like a weird, weird observation that I, you'll say, why does this matter? But I was looking at the bowl games today. Is there any reason why it just so happened? Like all the, the schools we would consider to be basketball schools, all their bowl games are today. Duke is playing in a bowl game in... I don't know. Two hours against Central Florida. KU's got one against Arkansas. This Maybe afternoon. it's because basketball North, schools aren't usually North, good at football. And North Carolina's playing in their bowl game. Like all three, three of the more historic college basketball programs, they have their college football bowl games in the same day. Or is that just because this is where a bunch they, of the six? They, they all talk this is about where it. a bunch of the six and seven win teams bowl games are. Is that what it is? More than anything else. Anyway, let's head out there and hear from Andy Reid. So we'll be. We've got to have a good week of practice. And- Special teams, they're, they're solid there too. So, and then with the coaching changes, um, you know, I mentioned to the team that you're, you're never quite sure what what you're going to see. So you got to be kind of ready for ready for anything and everything, and uh, make sure you bring the energy in that you need um, to take care of business. We're, we're glad we're here uh, at Arrowhead. Um, look forward to seeing all our fans out there. So, that time here. Have you ever been ready for anything? Like, what, what do you tell your players? What, what do you coach them for? Uh, well, you, you hit the things that you, the primary things that they've been doing. Uh, but you got to keep your eyes open. You just have to be aware of any adjustments. Uh, there might be a couple more sideline adjustments you have to make, or in-game adjustments that a guy might have to put on. So we'll just we'll see how it goes. But um, that's that's where we're at. So. Could you ever run a full hard name? My math is correct. You have exactly seven more days within the 21-day window. What do you need to see out of him um, to make that determination that he will be ready? Yeah. So um, as the week went on, he got you know he got a bit tired and sore, and uh, I think he, he that was good. <laughs> he worked his way through what he needed to get through, and and uh, now it's a matter of getting him in a game. And so I I presume unless there's a setback, I presume he'll he'll be there, but. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. Have you ever run across uh, Jerry Roseberg and ever had a chance to meet him and talk to him? I have. Uh, he, he actually worked for John Harbaugh for a number of years, uh, one of the top special teams coaches in the NFL, uh, um, and uh, a, a good football coach, period. But he was, he was a tremendous uh, special teams coach. Good guy. Andy, uh, Clyde? Is his clock anywhere close to being started here? Yeah, he's not. He's not ready yet. I mean, he's not. Uh, he's close. He's close, but not ready. High ankle sprains. Those, those are tough deals, man. On running back, so he's working through everything and he's busting his tail. It's just he's not quite there yet. What are the realistic um, options that maybe have Clyde available for the postseason, and maybe even Jody Fortson included in that group? I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance that that happens. Um, I mean, time will tell. See how see how things go here. Um, you know, right now, neither one 
they are ready to go. So. How much is that practiced and worked on, and how much of that is just kind of understanding the down and distance situation and obviously being prepared for that if you don't get home? Yeah, Joe covers that. Uh, you know, if you're not able to quite get to the guy, to the quarterback, get your hands up, uh, at least one, and, um, you know, and try to bat the ball down. And so that's part of his repertoire of things that he does in there with him. But, it, it's been very successful, and I, I know before George kind of went on this sack thing that he's going, uh, he, he had a few batted balls in there, which were big for us, and and um, Carlos likewise, you know. Yeah, but Carlos is known for that. How much yeah. does his addition and his play style might just permeate to the rest of the guys, especially some yeah. Of the yeah, sure. Well, they see they they know the history of him doing it. I know the history of him doing it. He batted a few of ours, ours down. Glad he's on our side, and uh, um, so they, you know, they know. And Carlos is a smart guy; talks to everybody, so I'm sure he's helped in that area. Your uh, your roster, kind of, I have a question here. Your your roster's turned over a lot since Patrick became the starter. It'll probably turn over again you know, a bunch more times while he's sure. here. Um, how do you approach that challenge, sort of knowing uh, the reality is <clears throat> things are going to change and evolve while still trying to maintain? identity and still trying to accentuate what, what Patrick does? Uh, sure. Um, I, think, I think you go back to Brett and the people that he brings in. Um, he kind of, he knows the offense. He grew up in the profession with this offense and uh, um, the NFL with this offense. So he has a pretty good feel of what needs, uh, needs to be fitted in there and how guys, even though they might not have been in the scheme, but they have certain qualities there that um, would work for us. So, um, and then, you know, Pat's ability to kind of welcome everybody in. Kelsey welcomes everybody in. Those are now Patrick's become one of the old vets, but Kelsey's been the oldest vet, and and he kind of he, he that's a that's a comfortable thing for guys new guys coming in here that they're not just going to be pushed aside. But that we, yeah, we're going to take your strengths and let's go, and then you can learn the other stuff as we. We go along. And with Patrick's, you know, he's very talented in a lot of different ways. Does that make it um, a little bit easier to, to target guys? It kind of seems like whatever their strength is, Patrick will be able to yeah, exploit it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, for sure. He, uh, you know, he and he knows he's got a keen eye on that stuff, and he's done it long enough now to where he's got a good feel on where a guy needs to be and how to get him there, and. Uh, and so he, he does a nice job with all that. Wouldn't be um, are there certain things that you try and layer in? I mean, you guys obviously have, have crunched a playoff spot at, at the minimum. But are there certain things you try and layer in over the uh, last couple weeks, last week, that, that you feel like you want to see in action before the postseason? Yeah, I'd like to see all three phases playing well. I mean, that's uh, you know, we have one phase play well and another one that doesn't, or two of them play well and another one doesn't. So. Um, when you you know you get to that point, I mean, you want that every game, but you know we're there now. So we're in the last two games of the season. So you know you got to start making sure you're reaching reaching your uh, A game there. A couple more. What do you think has led to this late season uh, surge for Jared McKinnon, and how important has uh, a player has he become? 
Yeah, he kind of did this same thing last year. I mean, he's a seasoned veteran. He, he knows, and he's had good people that could get in and play and spot him and so on. But I, I, I would tell you this, from a professional standpoint, um, he's phenomenal. His study habits and then, for your question, taking care of his body. He, he is meticulous about how he goes about that. And it's a great example to these young guys. Can you, can, can you talk about the mentorship portion of it? I talked to Isaiah after the game last week, and he said he leaned on Jarek a little bit for you know that mentorship and asking how to navigate through things. How much have you seen from him? Yeah, uh, he, he's willing to share. You know, that's uh, <clears throat> again, he's not threatened by the other guys. He, he he's going to do what he does, and uh, but he's willing to share those things, and they see him in the. In the meetings, if he needs to use a foam roller, you know he's going to get down in, in Greg's office and work, you know whatever he needs to work his hamstring, whatever <clears throat> uh, his eating habits. They see that, so and he's willing to talk about it. He he likes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Last two, we'll go Jesse and then uh, Andy. Big picture, just where do you see Sky Moore and his rookie progression? Yeah, I, I really like what I what, what I've seen here the last few weeks. Um, he. Uh, He's gotten better every every week, better understanding of the offense. Um, we've seen some zone teams and kind of how to fit in the different holes as an inside receiver. He's getting better at that, and I like that. And then he's had a few of the jet sweep things, and he, he was stretching them out, you know, where it would have been good in Canada, but not here, you know. Where, <laughs> <coughs> so now he's hitting that son of a gun up in there. So that's a, that's a good thing. Last one, Sam. Andy asks you this every year, but one job is open now. I'm just wondering, over the course of this last year, as much as you want to see Eric get another job, I know his focus here is here sure. right now, but yeah. have you studied to try and figure out maybe a, a different approach, something that helps him out? Just what, what's that process come like? Yeah, so uh, the league actually did that for, so for the assistant, some of the assistant coaches that had – potential opportunity to become head coaches. Uh, I thought they did a nice job of that this offseason, getting them together with the owners. And so to me, that was the difference um, in more of a casual setting, as opposed to I got to hire this guy right now, get to know him. And um, I, appreci I appreciated that. Uh, you know, that was a, I thought that was a, a good thing for, for Eric. Um, you know, I, I I know what he can do. I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I haven't changed my opinion on that. So I, um, I hope he gets an opportunity. Rather not have it at Denver, but I, I hope he gets an opportunity. <laughs> All right. All right, so that was Andy Reid. Interesting at the end. Of course, uh, it is that time of the year where for the last, what, three off-seasons, Nick, the questions have been about Eric Bieniemy and opportunities. We know he's interviewed for 23-plus teams, if not more than that, I think the number is. Uh, and yeah, Andy at the end saying, like, I wanted to get the job. Obviously, uh, the Denver one, maybe not, not the one quite as much. We'll talk more about that in a little bit because let's go right back out there and hear from Patrick Mahomes. Nothing? You guys are facing the same team just a couple weeks after seeing, but a lot of things have happened there. Coach said he gave you guys a message to kind of be ready for anything. Just what are your thoughts about facing a team so quickly afterwards, but they've gone through all these changes? 
Yeah, I mean, they still have a – they played us tough this last one. I mean, they gave us everything that we could we could ask for. I mean, we have to go out there and play our best ball. I mean, if you look at the tape, you see the talent that they have and, and how hard they play. And so for us, it will be a great opportunity to play a rival um, at Arrowhead and have to find a way to get a win. They got you a couple of times with the interceptions. You haven't thrown one since then, right? Um, what do you take from that game? And you've obviously made some adjustments, I guess. Coach said it's a great example fix your own stuff for the rest of the team, but uh, going back and looking at the tape, something you probably don't anticipate. Yeah, I mean, they did a good job of following my eyes, uh, making some good plays on some balls that I was trying to throw in some tight windows. Um, and so I have to make sure to just take what's there and not try to force it. Um, they got great players. Like I said, they got great players that make a lot of great plays. And so uh, for, for me and for this team, we got to go out there and play our best ball, and we know we have to play our best ball if we want to win. Yeah, I think he's done a great job with his opportunities that he's been given. Um, he's like the one this last week, I throw the ball in the flat. You're expecting to kind of, we have that touchdown, checkdown mentality, but when you throw it to a guy like that who can battle his way and get in the end zone, um, that, that, that special ability. And so for him, um, he's playing good, uh, good football at the right time of the year. And how can he carry that momentum into the playoffs? How confident are you when using him? You have, not just like the other guys, but yeah, I mean, he's just he's just super smart. I think that's the biggest thing. Even the unscouted look, he's great at picking up that guy or passing off the guy to the right the right lineman and, and doing all that different type of stuff that just takes years of experience. And so uh, having a guy like that that can step in, uh, know he's seen so much so he knows every single rule of the protection and can go in there and make the block when it counts, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, a big-time thing to have on the team. How does Noah fit into this offense and obviously playing off of Travis and giving you another option at the tight end position? Yeah, I think I think you said it. Um, I think first off, he's a guy that can come in whenever Travis tired, and he can't play every play, especially at his age. So uh, it's uh, he can come in when Travis tired and, and make some plays happen and still get himself open on some of those Trav uh, type routes, and then uh, being able to block the way he, way he can uh, it puts teams in a bind where you have a guy that can block. Um, and you can have two tight ends on the field, but he can also run routes like a receiver. So uh, he'll continue to get more and more in this, in this offense, uh, and he's so comfortable in it. Um, he's another weapon that we can have that can go out there and, and make it hard for defenses. Patrick, this is inside football a little bit, but you know, Tiffy Sherrard passed to Kelsey. He started in motion. You guys throw a lot to the guy that starts in motion. I know you get like a man zone type sort of thing, mm -hmm. but are there other benefits the receivers get or the defense get from – yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the biggest one is probably man zone IDs. Um, it also gets guys usually clean releases, so they're not necessarily pressed the line of scrimmage, so the timing can be right. Um, and I think sometimes you can use him as a decoy, and you can use that guy in motion to get the attention to him with all that that he's moving behind the line of scrimmage and hit someone else. So uh, I think Coach and uh, Coach Reed and Coach Bienemy have done a great job of that of of using that motion to our advantage um, in several different ways. And uh, I'm sure we'll continue to do that as the as the season goes on. How, how do you approach that that challenge of sort of adapting to what's new around you, which is like inevitable in the NFL, and also you know not losing what sort of makes you, makes you successful in the first place? Yeah, I think it's first is the culture that we've built here. Um, that started before I even got here with Coach Reed and the coaches that they they had. I mean, they built this culture of this is how we're going to work, um, this is how we're going to prepare, and and this is how we're going to win. Um, and so I just try to embrace that as much as possible. Show the guys that are new uh, how we do things. Um, and, I mean, like you said, NFL, there's a lot of new guys every single year. And, obviously, this year has been probably the biggest. 
Um, but I think as you continue to add and add, if you can continue to build that culture, you can continue to go out there and win football games. Are there lessons you learned this year that you'll you'll take forward, you know, and you know, just things that keep happening? Yeah, I mean, it helped me grow as a quarterback, just having to get through the offense, uh, the entire offense, knowing that we're going to move guys around, we're going to have playmakers everywhere, um, and you got to just continue to get through your reads, get to the right guy. I mean, I think I got in, uh, some things the last year, especially where it was Tyreek or Travis, Tyreek or Travis, kind of looking back and forth to that. Um, I think it's helped me become a better quarterback, having to move around and having so many different weapons everywhere that I have to just get through the reads. So. Uh, I think I'll continue to evolve. Um, we'll have a lot of different guys in my, my tenure here. I'll be here for a long time. Um, and uh, one day I'll get, this, get here as long as Travis has been here. Rex, Rex to be open about involving you, especially nowadays. How much are you involved maybe in some of these things in the offseason that maybe you were when you first became the starter back in 18? Um, I'm involved a little bit. Uh, he usually It's usually like a thing where it's just, hey, we're, we're talking to this guy. What do you think? Um, and I, I'll look at the tape and, and – and kind of give my insight on stuff like that. Um, but I, I try to stay away from making, like, decisions uh, on people. I think that we have great guys and great positions, great coaches and great personnel people that usually can do that. So uh, I'll give my, my take on people, but uh, they do a great job of bringing in a lot of great players. Patrick, if you had in, like, it's been almost exactly five years since you made that first start. I'm just wondering what stands out about that day. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just – it was cool. First off, it was cold. It was it was really cold, and being from Texas, I wasn't ready for. I don't think I was ready for that that cold weather in Denver that day. Um, but uh, it was a uh, it was just a great experience to be out there and playing. I mean, it, it was I think more gratifying that all that work I put in. I, I felt so much more advanced than I did in the preseason before, just because of how much I'd been in the building and going through the process. And I think that kind of just gave me another stamp of approval. This is how you have to do things. And so I think that was the biggest thing, more than going out there and getting the win, was all that work that you put in the entire year without playing had paid off. So did it change? It was like I learned like a new language just through that next training camp. When I first got here in the preseason uh, that first year, uh, I was I was so focused on getting us in the right position and getting the offense lined up and all that different type of stuff that I wasn't even worried about what the defense was doing. I was just trying to go out there and make sure we were doing stuff the right way. Whereas at the end of that that last game and then into that next preseason, I was focused on what the defense was doing. I was so comfortable in the offense. I think that's where you take the biggest step uh, in quarterback position. Uh, to go back just a quick mm -hmm. talk before Patrick. Did you give an input on, on Juju last year, even though it didn't work out in the, in the free agency time period? Yeah, I mean, when they, they said that we were, we were interested in Juju, I mean, I definitely – I knew him pro previously, so I knew that uh, what type of guy he was and how hard he worked. Um, but uh, I, I definitely like the, the ability he has. I mean, I think you see it this year is he can do a lot of stuff that we utilize in this offense uh, in a variety of ways. So I was definitely – I was definitely texting him like Coach Reed was trying to get him to come here. Okay, thanks, Patrick. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.